You're listening to Europe Calling with Terry Whitehead and Vince Tracy. All the news from Spain and the UK. Things you might have missed. Very good day to everybody. Welcome to the podcast. It's the 14th of July. And as you probably know, it's stinking hot in Europe. So the one place you don't really want to be is outside waiting for anybody to arrive and uh, save something that's broken down or whatever might be the problem. Terry, uh, I know that you've had a frustrating time. Are you relaxed and ready to go? <laughs> the sparks have stopped flying at me years by now, pal. It's not so bad. Yeah, I'm just going to sit down, have a cool drink and relax. Yeah, I just uh, it's been really hot today and uh, one of my vans broke down just about two hours ago. So just trying to get that organised uh, for tomorrow's workload. But anyway, all the builder ends well. Okay, good. Well, let's see what we've got for you this week then. Let's hope that um, I can inspire you. Here we go. So uh, we start off by looking up into the north of Spain. And there's been various reports from this particular event. Uh, Thousands of festival goers lined Pampelona's narrow streets for the centuries-old festival as the bulls charged through the city. Seven men needed hospital treatment on the third day, which was the day that basically was being reported on, Saturday the 9th of July, that was. Expert runners that take part in the historic festival run directly in front of the bulls before trying to jump out of the way at the last minute without being injured, with varying <laughs> varying success. Uh, the running of the bulls in Pamplona, up there in the north of Spain, is thought to date back to the 13th century, beginning as a way of clearing the streets for traders to get their bulls through the city, with the animals goaded by locals and runners to reach the bull ring. And Terry, I don't think uh, even at my prime, whether when I was at my best rugby playing days, um, with quite a good bit of speed, I wouldn't want to have done something like this. Would you have ever fancied it? Depends how much I've had to drink, but uh, <laughs> it's it's young lads, and I think it's, it's seven o'clock in the morning still. They set them off, something like that. It's quite early, I know. Yeah. Um, they well, it's uh, all the lads dressing. They used to dress in a red shirt, I presume they still do, and uh, they have to hold a newspaper, rolled up newspaper. That's what you have to have if you've got a red shirt and a rolled up newspaper. You stand at a certain point, and then at the, the given moment, you start running. Because just shortly after that, the bulls will be let out chasing you. And they're not really chasing, they're just running down the hill. And you're in the way. And if you're not running fast enough and you're in the way, then very shortly you won't be in the way. And, of course, it does has resulted in, in deaths in the past, always results in a certain amount of injuries. But, uh, you know, the old saying says sometimes the bull wins. And it's been going on for, obviously, I don't know how many years, hundreds, thousands of years. <laughs> you know, it's a really, really old uh, ritual. Uh, it's quite impressive to watch, I must admit, it is. Uh, but my mum <laughs> used to get up really early, every, every uh, July the 7th, I think it used to start. Every every July, early July when it came on, and uh, she'd be up there watching it on the telly. She loved it to death. She's fascinated by it all. Um, <laughs> okay. And then it ends up as a, as a, as a, as a normal 
bullfights anyway, which is one-way traffic. Okay, well, let's look at some of the ways that, uh, for example, uh, one comment from Alicante, um, and bullfighting is archaic and cruel, but it is a tradition. The, um, there is still, uh, should be, it is still illegal for fox hunting, uh, but that's still going on. Uh, that also used to be a tradition, and it has still not stopped, even though it is no longer legal. Uh, what is the excuse when chickens are caged and uh, beaks removed so they don't peck at each other? When horses have been starved and are emaciated, the cruelty shown towards sheep at the abattoirs where they're thrown around and not stunned properly. What about the awful conditions with puppy farmers? Is there one country that can actually point fingers at any other country and hold their head up high? No, sadly, there is far too much animal cruelty in the world. Um, I can understand where that person is trying to come from there, really, because it is true that there isn't just one country that um, is not very kind to its animals. Uh, what about, um, let's see, we've got one from Birmingham in the same paper, and they're saying, poor bulls, they're made to run to try to escape the people, only to be then in a ring with <laughs> spears thrown at them until they die of blood loss or murdered. This is what well, those morons call entertainment. They're not to, to escape the people, Vince. They're, they're just having a run. There's people in the way. They're not trying to escape. They're not afraid of what's in front of them, put it that way. They're just having a run. Well, actually, what they're doing is they're chasing cows. They put the cows out front first, and then the bulls will obviously chase a cow. Well, I didn't know and that yet. will often chase a woman. But the, and that's what they're doing is they're chasing the cows, and sometimes there's people in front of them, and they just toss them out of the way. Uh, and it always, as we say, it ends up in the bull ring anyway, where uh, one by one they get um, taken out. But um, I, I, I fully understand people's um, concerns about bullfighting, and I, and, I, and I have to agree with everything that's said about it. But I do like bullfighting. Um, as long as it's done correctly. Um, because in actual fact, the animals probably dispatched a lot more humanely than they would be to end up on your dinner plate in the normal process of things. At least he goes out with a fight. I, mean, I don't know about you, I think I'd rather go out with a fight than not. Um, but it's uh, to understand bullfighting and what happens in the bullfight, if you read up on it um, and get to understand the processes and what's happening, um, it's quite interesting. Yes, I've I can hear people say, I can say it's interesting. The animal's going to get tortured and God knows where else. It's a fighting book. It's never seen a, it's never seen a person on two legs until that day. Um, uh, in fact, it's illegal. If you get caught on a bull farm, um, walking around a bull farm, you've got a serious problem because everybody on the bull farm rides a horse. So the, the advantage the matador's got is the bull's never seen anybody on two legs and he's only ever seen a horse on, uh, sorry, a, a person on a horse. So in reality, by using his cape, he mimics him riding a horse, and the ball goes for the horse, i.e. the cape. Well, well, um, but, but it's a fight to the death, obviously, and sometimes the ball wins, um, that's for sure. It has happened before. Um, but obviously, invariably, it's, it's, it's one-way traffic, and uh, the animal gets slaughtered with, with one sharp thrust with a, um, a sword through his heart. I, uh, I don't have a real problem with the bullfighting, because that was explained to me by one of our other correspondents, Emilio Bellagios, who was telling me um, mm. exactly what you were saying, that, you know, at least the bull has quite a good life, and then, you oh, know, yeah. uh, then there's the bullfight, and that's the end of it. Um, but I think what really the article tended to be more drifting towards 
is when you look at that um, Pamplona event, I mean, it looks like organised chaos or even sometimes disorganised chaos. When they're talking about expert runners going down the hill first, um, I find that strange. I didn't nah. know till you mentioned the fact that they put cows down the road first. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, really, if you've got masses of people running, uh, even if there weren't bulls chasing after them, but they were just trying to get away from something, there is the likelihood that you'll trip each other up and, um, you know, yeah, somebody's going to... Yeah, what happens. It, it's, it's more of a case of not what is happening to the bulls, it's what is happening to the humans. Um, the, the distress is there uh, and the stupidity of a few of them, obviously. They're all trying to be brave and do the brave thing and, and run the full full trip and get to the bull ring before the, the bulls do. Um, but it's obviously some of them just don't do it. There's far worse um, uh, festivities with bulls, shall we say, around Spain uh, in different areas. Far, far worse. Far worse. Whether it's Hackery Spears and God knows what else. Uh, there's, there's lots of different uh, strange, antiquated uh, festivities that they have involving animals in Spain. Well, we've got um, one in Denia. Quite barbaric. We've got one in Denia right now, uh, whereby mm. they try to get the bulls to charge uh, the, the young guy. Yeah. That's right, and they they go into the water. Which, uh, you know, I, I suppose if you're trying to defend it, um, I, I would have said teasing any animal really is not it's not necessary really i mean it is just for entertainment and if you want to be entertained that way as long as people are there to make money out of it i'm pretty sure it's, it's going to go on infinitum <laughs> personally it's a way for youngsters to prove their 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 their, their, their virality the the, the the fact that they're there there should be that the women should be looking for them the young ladies should be looking for these brave young men that's what it is really if, if, if this has been happening obviously hundreds of years nowadays the brave young men jump on motorbikes and try and scream up and down on motorways as fast as they can and a small percentage of them don't return home either um there's other ways that your men try and prove their uh, virility is it virility virility yeah virility there's, there's mm. other ways that young men nowadays prove their virility but this is an ancient custom an ancient custom which hasn't changed and I... it was banned for quite a while in barcelona um, but they brought it back again now. I, I suppose, really, um, the, just before we move on, and probably they'd be better off um, following what the ladies are doing than just having a good game of football. <laughs> tell you what, I, I, I'm so, I've been impressed since I first was watching these ladies uh, playing football. Uh, so impressed that like, not one of them's rolling over in, in, in you know, in, yeah. in their death throes, yes. about to pass out, you know, and die. Not one of them. Not one of them is kicking the, the other one up in the air, or very rarely, put it that way. And the skills, I mean, the, the, the skills I've been watching this week, uh, I'll tell you what, I'll put them against any men's team. But the men's, the men would be, they'd be kicking them up in the air, that's their answer to it. Their skills are really, really good. I'm mm. so, so, so impressed. Um, just to make sure that our listeners know, we're talking about the Euros, the uh, ladies' competition, and the fact that uh, the ladies, in a general sense, do play the game very, very well. Although there was a little bit of niggle between the Netherlands and Portugal last night. That was, um, you know, I mean, yeah. it wasn't terrible, but uh, you could see there was a bit of niggle in that one. Well, it's going to come in. I mean, we, did, we didn't. I mean, I remember... I'm trying to work it out. I, mean, I don't know when the year was. You might work this one out. 
But it, it, all this falling down and rolling over, I think it started in the Italian Football League, yeah. and maybe the French, and more than likely the Spanish as well, but the Italian. I think were the first ones we used to laugh at them, seeing these clips of, of Italian games and these blokes rolling and over, over yeah. and over. You know, yeah. as if they'd been hit by a truck. Yes. And yet, this is acceptable football behaviour now. And in fact, there's players like Jack Grealish who were trained in how to... For, I mean, he played for my club, Aston Villa. Yeah. But he, he was obviously trained and very good at pulling a foul. And what happened is now, is these defenders don't like to go near him because he will pull a foul and he's always on the edge of the penalty area. He will pull a foul and get it. Yeah. He knows how to do it. And I think, sadly, that's what's entered the game rather than what we're watching this week with the ladies. It's pure football. Yep. It is literally football. They are taking the ball off each other with their feet, not hacking the legs and breaking them. Yeah. They are, they are literally trying to take the ball off each other and succeeding and with their feet. It's, it's pure football. Well, lovely. And I loved watching the, the pundits talking about how close it was going to be between um, England and, uh, um, was it the Netherlands? Not the Netherlands, Norway. no, Norway. And uh, Norway, yeah. <laughs> eight goals went <laughs> yeah. in. Okay, well, it could have been an awful lot more, a hell of a lot more. We're looking, uh, we're looking yeah. next. Sorry, at um, alcohol. So um, we'll come back to the ladies if we have a bit of time. Yeah, sure. Okay. Now, just a reminder that the idea is that I'm looking at articles that uh, maybe appear in the papers but don't seem to get the airtime uh, on many of the TV stations. Any amount of alcohol consumption is associated with an increased risk for certain cancers. Um, alcohol is toxic as well as addictive. This is why many medical professionals are adamantly opposed to recommending anything other than try to drink as little as possible. And if you don't drink at all, so much the better. Food and health consultant Juan Raveng said, obviously it's better to drink less and to abstain for three days. He also believes that promoting moderate consumption is an entelechy. I'm not sure what that is, actually. Uh, in <laughs> that it realises it uh, or makes actual what is otherwise merely potential. OK, I've got it now. Um, it's true that a daily beer or glass of wine won't damage your liver, but there are other risks. Alcohol is addictive, gives you a feeling of well-being. As soon as you drink a little, you tend to drink a little more. It's also habit-forming because you need more and more to achieve the same feeling. With alcohol, the best amount is none at all. Um, although there are differences of opinion as how to encourage less alcohol consumption, Experts unanimously agree that it needs to happen. There are two very effective tools for reducing consumption, raising prices and restricting advertising. It's well documented that the price of alcohol matters when they established minimum prices for alcohol in Wales and Scotland. Consumption dropped overnight. He thinks that similar measures could be applied to unhealthy foods and want politicians to establish distinct tax rates for different foods. We know vegetables are healthy, but many of our patients can't afford them and go straight to fast food. Another way to modify behavior is regulating the advertising of alcohol and unhealthy foods. There's a reason why companies have huge advertising budgets. But why is it legal to advertise alcohol? He compares it to tobacco advertising, which has been banned in almost all uh, and every Western country for years. A tobacco packaging also carries mandatory warnings about the health hazards of smoking. 
why not implement these simple measures? The alcohol industry won't like it, but it's about protecting the public. Okay, now then you've got the experience of selling. Like uh, both of us, we've got the experience of drinking. It is quite interesting, actually, the way that they've jumped on tobacco and you don't really see and, and hear an awful lot of the correlation between drinking alcohol and cancers. That doesn't come up too often, does it? No. Um, alcohol, but people never understand about alcohol, and I did until, until a few years back, is it's a, obviously it's a poison. We don't accept it, but it is. It's, let's all sit down and go and drink some poison and see how it, how it affects us. It is poison. And once it's in your system, i.e. you've had a few and you're a bit rough the next day, your liver is working overtime now to get rid of that poison out of your system. Oh, and that will slowly but surely get rid of your hangover. But while your liver is, work, liver is working flat out to get this out of your system, it is not doing what it's normally doing, which is purifying your blood of other nasty things and viruses and bugs and God knows what else. So therefore, when you do go drinking, you're basically you're, your liver shuts down, keeping you alive as such. It's, it's there to protect you from the poison you're drinking. And when I see these kids taking shot after shot, all this shot, I still don't know where this has come from. Never in a million years. It never it was never around when I was a kid. No, no me. But what is this business of having standing there and taking all these shots for half an hour, then falling over? Your, your night's finished. I really can't get over this. But it, it is. It's it's people don't understand. If if we instead of calling it, we'll have a night out. Um, let's just let's go and take some poison. I mean, it might be a different thing. But have you noticed in the UK, especially like say on news items or chatty programs? Whenever there's anything mentioned about having a drink, somebody said they had a drink last night, it's always always a little titter goes on with it. A little, it's like a little dirty secret. Mm-hmm. Yes, we had a drink last night. It's an acceptable little so, sociable dirty secret. But it's, until people, you don't get that in Spain. You never see that in, in, in a conversation in Spain. But alcohol is different in Spain. It's the wine is on your table every day in Spain. Uh, and a kid will, will have a little bit of watered-down wine at one point uh, of his youth, uh, you know, to go along with his, his, his bit of lunch or bit of dinner, um, but just a tiny bit, um, just to leave making part of the family. Uh, but it doesn't seem to do any harm. But you, you very rarely see a Spaniard rolling drunk, because to be drunk in Spain, it is a complete disgrace. You should be able to take your drink. This is what really upsets me in, in the tourism industry you have here in Spain, is that the Brits get off the plane. I mean, they, they fall off the plane to start off. They're drunk, half of them are drunk before they even get here. And they spend the next 14 days getting absolutely plastered, making themselves absolutely stupid idiots, thinking we're all impressed with what they're doing. And yet the whole of the Spanish nation are looking on going, these disgraceful, this disgraceful nation. And we're basically looked upon as a disgraceful nation. Mm. We, have, we have no... No qualms about disgracing ourselves, getting drunk. And it's purely a lack of, of uh, restraint. In other words, uh, you should drink uh, carefully. And But pe- people don't. Listen, I like a good drink, don't get me wrong. But there's no way I can actually go on a, a bender and, and still do anything for the next three days. I just can't handle it. I'm just too old for that now. Well, I've, you know, I've in the past. But it's, it is Britain's, British people especially uh, cannot... Drink. I say that with the, with the broad thing. I've, had, I've said this so many times. Certainly in my experience from working in the industry, they cannot drink. Their idea of drinking is you get as much down your neck as quickly as possible. 
and that's how you have a good time. No, the idea is that you you're in good company, and you have a, have a drink, and you slowly have another drink, and slow, and spread the evening out. Yeah, you know, and go home, you know, slightly merry and warm. Not to be like if your drawers around your ankles in the in the gutter throwing up. It, it's no, I don't understand it, Vince. No, I don't know uh, how it's got that way in the UK. I know. Uh, um, how the hell are they going to stop it? I was asked by certain Spanish students in class, you know, uh, why are all the British like that? And I tried mm. to explain they're not. I mean, that is a certain type of um, tourist. But all the ones that get on a plane come here are. We don't hold that's wrong, obviously. But the majority, you have to say the majority are, they're going to, yeah, even, even the steady families, they're going to enjoy a drink which they probably wouldn't normally have. They're going to have more more alcohol. But to actually get go completely over the top, uh, you know, and, and in less than an hour, they're completely out of it. How the hell is that enjoying yourself? I really don't understand it. What about that other point that was uh, mentioned in the article, which is basically, um, you know, the um, tobacco industry had a ban and, you mm. know, they're very, very quick to point out that there's the cancer re- relationship. Uh, yet it doesn't seem to appear quite the same with the alcohol and the um, the breweries. Well, and I mean, a, a cup of tea does more damage than, than can, can do more damage than alcohol. You see, alcohol is still, you know, the jury's still out. And of course, it's, it's not, as I said before, it certainly isn't healthy. And if you're drinking poison, something's going to happen. And we all have cancer. It's yeah. just as cancer is, if it gets out of hand, then it, it take, can take over your body and, and kill your organs and you die. Mm. What you don't want is to trigger that cancer. Yeah. For some people, it could be a a knock on the leg or, or a, a blow somewhere to the body. Other people, it could be what they eat and drink, it could be what they're smoking. It could be a variety of things, what they're breathing, where, where they're working. There's a variety of things, variety of things that can trigger off cancer. Alcohol is one of them. But, but smoking is, is it's, it's a, well, it's addictive drug, number one. Yeah. Absolutely. So and it opens drug. up it opens up to the other drugs as well, don't they? You, mm. you, you know, once you um, once you've started, then you know you're looking for the next sort of one up in the well, league. Really. Same with alcohol. People become alcoholics because they 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 can't do without another drink. Um, I've, I've never got close to that stage, thank God. Mm. But I do know people who are alcoholics, and sadly, I know I know quite a few that I've had to bury. Yeah, uh, who've died over here through alcoholism. And yep. it's sad to see when it happened when they, they are like in charge of a, a car with a no steering wheel. They just they know they're going to kill themselves, but they just can't stop it. And you're right because uh, in, in the language, in the language, we used to say, "What's your poison?" just with a little twinkle in your eye. But um, exactly, you know, yeah, there was no no, no true words spoken in jest. Yeah. Okay, I've got a very interesting article, which I'm sure you'll get your teeth into this one. So let's see what we're going mm. with next. So when she was eight, Sandra Bravo wrote a letter addressed to the Virgin Mary. Uh, This was in her diary. In it, she asked her to make a boy from school her future husband and father of her children, promising in exchange to be chaste and pure until marriage. Uh, She didn't keep that promise, and in time she forgot about it. Thirty years later, she found the diary and was shocked by what she'd written. How at the age of eight could I be asking the Virgin Mary for all that stuff when I had no idea what love, sexuality or even virginity was? She wonders. But after giving it some thought, she realised that it was no accident. 
this story of romantic and heterosexual lovers everywhere, and we internalize it through culture such as Disney movies and children's stories, and we're constantly exposed to questions such as whether we like a boy at school or if we have a boyfriend, and we see it on TV and in the model of couples around us. From an early age, we understand getting married and having children as our destiny in life, especially as women. That letter to the Virgin was the departure point for Bravo's book. I don't know how to explain all this to my mother. Polyamory, sex and feminism. Though her... Um, let's see, uh, let's see, I'm missing little bits out here. Through her Instagram account, let's talk about polyamory. The Spanish journalist talks in the book about her experience as a bisexual woman. And although she has tried to explain her choices to her mother... The stigma of non-monogamous relationships means she finds it hard to grasp whether it concerns open relationships or just people who have simultaneous relationships. There's an idea that it's a kind of young person's experiment, something temporary, and that when we reach a certain age, we will realise that it's not a workable model, but by then it will be too late. It makes you wonder how many married couples of a certain age with children feel completely alone despite living under the same roof. In her hometown, Alicante, in the Spanish uh, region of, of Valencia, uh, which she left at the age of 17, her neighbours have been scandalised by her book. Her mother continues to be punished for her daughter's decisions as if the life Bravo has chosen was down to her own failure as a mother. It seems that we trust structures more than people, says Bravo. In the collective imagination, monogamy equals security, commitment and success, while non-monogamy equals perversion, failure and frivolity. Um, quite an interesting article. Don't forget, uh, I will always be quick to explain to people that I have quite strong views about a lot of this uh, stuff, but sometimes mm. I feel that that's privacy and it's something that is not really um, necessarily for public consumption, you know. Um, I mean, a recent survey that I'm reading on um, uh, found that... Um, this is for El Pais, that it was our paper that we read here, um, found that of the people that were interviewed, 94.6% of the couples surveyed were monogamous, 4.8% in open relationships with occasional sexual contact, and only 0.5% say they're in a polyamorous relationship with three or more people involved. Um, but the panorama is very different when we look at a recent study in the Journal of Sex and Marital Therapy, which revealed that one in five adults have practiced consensual non-monogamy at some point in their lives, uh, though the data reflects that, uh, while there is increasing talk of open relationships and polyamory. We still uh, tend towards tradition. Um, I mean, I read this as looking at somebody who's got a real chip on her shoulder, if I'm quite honest. But uh, what do you think? <laughs> it certainly seems strange from an eight-year-old. Uh, <laughs> no, from an eight-year-old's diaries, obviously, from the yeah. beginning. But, I mean, but, yeah, I mean, there was, I was listening on the radio I'd done that a while back about polyamorous... Uh, um, um, there was a bloke who phoned in onto this programme. He, he's, he's got two wives. Uh, in inverted commas, he's only married one, obviously, but um, this other woman lives with them, and he, 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 they are a family. They are, they are, and they've got kids. Um, or he's got kids with, with the one, and but the, the the kids accept the fact they've got two mums in inverted commas. 
Um, so I found that one a bit hard to believe. But he was he was very sincere. The bloke it wasn't it wasn't a prank or anything. He was very sincere the way he was coming across it. You see, because obviously he, he he feels for both women, and both women like each other uh, as well. So what a draw line on that one. But um, I, I can't knock it really. If it's if that's if it keeps you happy and everyone's happy, I'll have to think it's a recipe for disaster at some point. But um, if, if that's what, what floats your boat. Get on with it. It is a bit. Yeah, I know. You, the, the the purists. Uh, you get married for life. You never. Um, I'm Catholicism. You still can't get divorced, can you? Presumably. But it, it, it's uh, you. You marry for life. But if you if you get married and you realise after a couple of years you made a horrendous mistake. It's a bit like buying a car. You fall in love with a car and you buy it, and then after a couple of years you realise, I should never have bought this car. It's not the car for me. I'm stuck with it for life. But maybe that's a better example, really, than you realise. Because, you know, when you're buying a car, you're not having a love affair with a car. You're driving the blessed thing. I mean, Some people do. <laughs> yeah. OK, but, I mean, in a general sense, if you're... You, you, you flashed the Corvette Stingray at me when I was 17. That made it for life. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, certainly that doesn't really um, it doesn't all go well for other things in your life going no. forward from them. No, but no. you know, having said that, I mean, let's be honest about it. We've all liked our cars when we were young men. But you see, if your body and your mind is ever going to develop, I mean, surely part of um, a commitment to each other and a commitment to try and make whatever your marriages work. I mean, I think anybody who is naive enough to think that, you know, that's the formula that's going to work for everybody all the time. I think that really, um, <laughs> it's, it's heavy going at all times for most people, but you've got to work at it, which is why I have to be honest, I quite like the idea of, you know, being married to somebody. Uh, obviously, you know, I'm happy with my wife. You, you're happy yeah. with your wife. We're yeah. lucky. Um, but I think the problem is you see too many don't work at it. There are times when obviously both parties would, would have been cheesed off with uh, the mm. other person. And you think to yourself, well, no, we, you know, we find a way to work through it and um, bring our children up and hopefully raise them with good values as well. The trouble is, I think too many people are coming out uh, without any values whatsoever at the moment. Um, that's where I think it's going wrong. Well, I mean, I got married. How old was I? I got married. 21, I think. 22. Um, and I was the last of my mates to get married. Uh, you know, I felt quite old getting married at that age. Um, my youngest daughter's just got married at 35, 34, was she? Um, so things are changing. People are apparently getting married in their 30s now rather than their teens, as was... was uh, but I mean, if you, did, if you if you were unmarried by the time you reached 21, when I was a kid, you, there's something wrong with you. Um, so I think it was we were more or less rushed into a relationship rather than sort of playing the field and and realising what sort of partner you want in this life uh, and and clicking and being very lucky to find that partner. I have, I, my religion is fate. Is yeah. I'm a firm believer in fate. Uh, and I was facing to meet my wife. We've been together now 40 years. And uh, I just knew it the minute I saw her. I didn't talk about falling in love. The minute I saw her, that was it. And yeah. That was gone. That was it. The shutter came down. That's the one. And it, it seemed to work very well, thank you very much. She's working a lot harder at it than me, put it that way. <laughs> I'm a bit of a lazy bugger in, in that respect. But 
Uh, no, it works, uh, and I think you have to find the right personalities to, to live with. That's the. But, but when you when you're young, you, you're not always. You haven't developed your personalities so much, and I think you can get clashes in later life, which can end up in an an, 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 uh, an early uh, divorce, right? Yeah. Uh, look, I, I I'm not purporting to or even claiming to have an answer. I mean, I'm, I just found the article interesting because basically, if she's uh, writing in that particular sense, saying that children don't understand, and uh, you know, how did they re- uh, agree with all this rubbish? Well, surely the same argument's got to be exactly the same for what's going on at the moment. Um, mm. Only perhaps now is the time to uh, link up another article that I read because, as we are now well aware you know the sanctity of marriage has been long under attack i mean um, we've got the uh, current uh, situation where the next king of england if it all goes ahead um who is busy telling everybody as the head of the church that you know uh, you're supposed to stay together yet he's quite happy to have camilla so um, <laughs> he didn't did he? well he didn't you see and that's the, and he broke up another marriage this is the hypocrisy <laughs> for me that um yes, it is you know, I, I, I've i never respected Charles for that, and uh, Camilla certainly not at all. But this... Oh, I'm with you on that one. Yeah, I, I totally agree. OK, uh, well... He's head of, head of the Protestant Church by, mm. by, by inheritance. Yeah, uh, well... But doesn't, doesn't make him head by election, does it? No, exactly. But um, uh, with all the transgender stuff that's coming in now, um, I, I still do maintain a stance that I believe a lot of this is being orchestrated. And um, I thought this article, which I'm going to read to you now, is uh, so interesting because uh, with the transgender and um, the, the stories that we are being uh, besieged with, bombarded with at the moment in the press, the Church of England has admitted it does not have a definition of the word woman. A bishop said yesterday that the meaning of the word used to be self-evident. But, he added, there are now complexities associated with gender identity, which a church project about sexuality and relationships is exploring. The admission in an official report prepared for the gathering of the governing body this weekend stirred criticism. It comes despite Anglicanism continuing to oppose same-sex weddings and only recently allowing women to be bishops. Campaigner Maya Forstetter said when the government redefined women through the Gender Recognition Act, the Church of England could have stuck with its long-established understanding, which makes sense, whether your starting point is biology or the Bible. It is shocking that they so readily gave up the definition of man or woman for the state to amend, as this is fundamental truth and did not matter. And the Reverend Angela Berners-Wilson, who in 1994 became the first woman ordained as an Anglican priest, told The Telegraph, I'm not totally happy with it. I mean, I do think certain things like men can't have babies, uh, just to say the complete obvious thing. But she added, but I think we need to be very sensitive and maybe we need to re-examine our boundaries. It comes after months in which the definition of the word woman has gripped politics. Several Labour MPs refused to define it, while um, Keir Starmer uh, said it was wrong to claim that only women could have a cervix. By contrast, cabinet ministers have been clear that biology defines women and that anyone born male should not compete against women in sport. The church was put on the spot in one of the almost 200 questions submitted to its parliament, the General Synod, in York, 
at the weekend. Um, Adam Kendry, a lay member from the Armed Forces, asked simply, what is the Church of England's definition of a woman? And then the Right Reverend Robert Innes, the Bishop of in, uh, in Europe, replied, there is no official definition which reflects the fact that until fairly recently, definitions of this kind were thought to be self-evident, as reflected in the marriage. Uh, he added that the uh, marriage liturgy, he added that the church has begun to explore complexities associated with gender identity. Jane Ozan, who sat on the government LGBT plus advisory panel, said Mr. Kendry's question was passive aggressive, designed to upset the LGBT plus community. It's not the first time the church has come under fire for its stance on gender. In 2019, thousands of clergy objected to guidance for a new type of baptism service to allow transgender Christians to celebrate their new identities. Whew, can of worms or what? Uh, what do you think? Well, it's a difficult one, isn't it? I mean, how would you, how would you describe uh, a woman? What makes a woman a woman? Okay, for, for me, it's quite simple. Um, in a natural situation, a woman can give birth by um, obviously having intercourse with a male. That fairly is, is enough explanation for me. I mean, if you're okay. going to go tampering... Well, put it this way. If a, if a woman, a woman, inverted commas, a baby's born without a womb, but, but she has the female geni uh, genitalia, is it a woman? Or is it not a woman? Or is it something else, the child? Uh, but I think words, she can't have she can't have a baby because uh, she hasn't got a womb. Okay, well, look, I, I've had people in my family that have never been able to uh, have a baby because basically um, it wasn't ne not necessary. What we're forgetting, by the way, in some of this, if uh, if you go to what we were taught, is that you know it's it's a gift. There are three parties to a, to a birth, and one is the mother, one is the father, and one is obviously the spirit. If we believe in a religion, now you know that there's there's a, a, there's a difference between church leaders and other people who don't want to to have anything do to do with churches. What I'm probably more concerned about looking at this article is these are the people who purport to stand in front of everybody and put together a man and a woman and let nobody take us under because uh, obviously God demands it. Um, I think the problem is, you see, people are wanting the cake and eating it all the time, aren't they? Well, there are people, we've had this discussion a few times, there are people that are born uh, women, but Psychologically, they are men, and presumably that would make them a lesbian. I don't know. I'm just putting something out there. Um, I haven't got a problem with that. And ditto uh, with men. Um, they can be born a man, but psychologically, they are women. So he would then be stamped as gay. Uh, fine. Fine, if that's what it is. But we have to, as far as I'm concerned, we have to have just one or the other. And you're going to have to stand in one camp or the other uh, for the rest of your life. And I don't care how many operations you want to have. You're not going to be able to move from one to the other as far as I'm concerned. You, you can you can, you can both use it in the car. You, you can get an old uh, an old Volkswagen and chop it and change it and try and make it look like my, my, uh, 
my Corvette Stingray, but it will never be a Corvette Stingray. <laughs> it will always be a Volkswagen, you know? <laughs> no matter what you do to it, no matter what you bolt on it and it looks really sort of like a Corvette Stingray, no, it's not, it's still a Volkswagen. So that's where we have to be, not necessarily where we are, Vince. That's where we have to be, and I think we do have to seek a bit more carefully how we, we define these things, but it, to me it has to be defined. You can't, you can't have multiple choice, because there are 100, literally 100 multiple choices that's what one guy put out in the book yeah there were 100 different he had one listed 100 different ways between the man and the woman and everything in between that cannot happen but we've got on to me it has to be there's two camps and then um that's where it has to be and from then on yeah if you've got a problem we'll help you we, we you, you've got to stay in one camp yeah i mean we've got on pretty well up until very recent times before all this has really become utter nonsensical and uh, to be quite frank with you I think the the, the reason why uh, I felt when I read this particular article if you've got a church and the church is supposed to be linked in to the head of state as we ordained a few minutes ago with uh, Charles uh, if we've got Ten Commandments that are supposed to be there for people... Now, you know, you, you are not forced into believing this, but if you're born into a Christian church, um, then you follow the Ten Commandments. Whatever churches other people um, follow, they will have their set of commandments or their set of rules, if you want to call them rules. But I'm talking specifically uh, in terms of if you've got the head of state and he is supposed to be the head of the church, and then they can't even tell you what a man and a woman is, and yet they want to put them together and then uh, punish them if they don't, um, you, you know, if they don't manage to stay together throughout their full life or whatever it is. Um, you, you know, it, it it becomes really... I, I, I agree entirely where you're coming from, Vince, but that's why I, I, I say it, somebody's got to have the cojones to actually, this is a man, and this is a woman, and you are born one or the other. Um, we now know that what you may what you may physically pop out looking like may not be what you are psychologically. Okay, doesn't matter. That can be resolved. But you've got to be, you should be labelled, shall we say, as far as I'm concerned, a man or a woman at birth, and then we can sort the rest out as we go along. Um, but you 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 know that Volkswagen is always going to be a Volkswagen. You might look a bit like a, a, a Corvette Stingray, but it won't be. So um, the, the, to my mind, that's it. You stay in your camp. That's a bad musical word, isn't it? <laughs> but you stay in you stay in your camp and uh, uh, and get through life that way with the help of uh, whatever is necessary uh, to help you along the way in the in the various problems that you you may come up against in life. But to me. That, that's the only way out of it. Um, otherwise, you end up like that bloke who wrote. He went daft and he wrote a book with a hundred definitions between a man and a woman. You end up with a hundred, and then someone come up with another hundred, and you then have the, the the ludicrous situation. Not so long ago, where they were discussing how many toilets they would need to have at a school, so as not to offend anybody. But this, that, that's you know that's. Uh, well, yeah, um, but I mean, if you've uh, if you look in at stability. If you're looking at something that I bring up time and time again, so much so that I'm sure you're going, oh, my God, you're probably rolling your eyes again. But um, if you want to look at the philosophies of groups of people who want to rule the world, and if you're looking at the statement of 
um, defeating capitalism by defeating the families. What we talk about so often is this now, what is the family? I mean, we used to know quite comfortably that um, the family, as we used to know, would have been mum, dad and 2.2 children. Okay, so uh, then they had a real good change, Good, just probably after the 60s and 70s and then the 80s. And, you know, unfortunately, the, the family has been under attack for so long. And yet, I, de I defy anybody to tell me something different about the difference between maybe parts of the country and certainly what we find here in Spain. You, you will say to me very, very quickly, um, quite honestly, if you've got a strong family, you know, it's lovely to see the stability with at least the children can go and sit in the company of adults. And, you know, we've been talking about the alcohol and the problems that come through the alcohol. At least if you're drinking with adults who can give you sensible information and tell you, uh, hey, take it a bit easy because, you know, you're, you're ruining your liver. So, you know, just give a little bit of fatherly, well, uncle-y. Well, has, has, has there ever been any education on drinking in school? N no. No, there no, hasn't. I never had. I had all sorts of biology lessons, which went over my head. I had all sorts of chemistry lessons, which, which completely went over my head. I had no idea. Physics, I wasn't so bad at. Um, but at no point did somebody actually come out. By the way, you know all these adverts you see about drinking, and drinking is virtually part of every single programme you get. And how anybody never gets pulled for drink driving in Coronation Street and Emmerdale, I'll never know. Because <laughs> half the action takes place in a pub of one description or another. Uh, it must be a great place to live. I'm just Mind you, they, could, they can walk home, don't forget, in most of those places. I'm <laughs> sure they can. Mm. If every somebody jumps into a car. Um, but it, it's, it's, no, and it's, it's just part of... No one's explaining this to the... And I use the word in a, in a strange way, the ignorant British public. No one's explaining to them that drinking is a, is, is a dangerous habit. And because of this, and the, do you know what drinking is? Do you know what you're doing to yourself? Nobody mm. is. We've been drummed, like you mentioned about smoking. That's been drummed into us quite carefully. I don't think anybody's unaware of the dangers of smoking now. There are many that are trapped in uh, the idea of smoking. They just can't get out of it. Um, I do feel sorry for them. <clears throat> but there are many more, many, sorry, many less smokers now than ever there used to be. But so that, that's a law. The got across, didn't it? But that mm. message has never been given regarding drink. In fact, quite the opposite. It's like I say, it's always been a little cheeky. Oh, well, somebody actually mentioned in the chat. So yeah, we had a, we were in for a drink last night, and there's always a bit of a, a titter and a, a little giggle, as if it's oh something a bit thingy. Um, and I'm going like, well, hang on, just 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 refine that. I went out last night. I drank some poison with me mates. Mm -hmm. If you said that, what would be the reaction, I wonder, on, on the television? You know, absolute shock. Well, let, let, me give you, um, let me give you two examples of uh, how I've been lucky or, uh, shall we say, better informed. First of all, I, I, I was very lucky to go and start judo at the age of 19. Oh, no, it was a bit of uh, 17, I think. Um, so you're not allowed on the judo mat, mat if you'd been drinking. And most of the people that do judo didn't or did judo while I was doing it, didn't tend to drink a lot of alcohol. So that was good. Um, then at the rugby club, um, th they used to go mad and have their drinks, etc. Uh, but I was going off to DJ in the nightclub, so I didn't tend to get too uh, involved in that. Although when I was DJing, I drank a bit more than I should have done. 
But when I went into teaching and took over the um, the YTF, the youth uh, tr youth training schemes, I did put in blocks talking about things like um, responsibility of not going out drinking when the next day you're supposed to be at work and explaining why and explaining how it does affect your body and things like this. Plus, mm. I did put in judo as part of the course that I was running. So they had to come in in the morning and nobody was ever hung over. I don't think in all the time I did that, um, not one of the 16 to 19 year olds came in hungover. So to be fair to them, um, that was interesting. Mm. Terry? Uh, Either that, that, that could drink really well. I've got another good, yeah. I've got another one lined up for you. So uh, let me see what I've got for this next one. Okay, so the community of Madrid now has declared war on the Occupas. Uh, these are the people that come and take over your house uh, when you're not there and then claim it as their own, attempting to reverse present trends and persuade the government to amend unfavourable rules for property owners. The Madrid community is prepared to wage a war on the Occupas after this type of crime increased by 25% in the region in 2022. For the time being, the regional government has released an app that allows the police to contact the owner if a neighbour reports an illegal entry and has also announced the opening of a de dedicated Occupas office. Furthermore... Uh, Isabel Dath Ayuso's team has openly encouraged the government to modify the rules to better protect the owner. The regional government proposes that un, uh, unauthorised occupiers be evicted immediately if they do not provide title deeds or any other evidence proving that the owner has allowed them to remain in the property within 48 hours. Until now, the owners have had to demonstrate that they are the owners and that they did not uh, allow the occupas to enter their pop property. This is difficult because most of the time the title deeds are held in that home which they now cannot access. For this reason, the Madrid government maintains that Occupas must demonstrate their right to live in the house within 48 hours. In other words, Madrid wants to invert the principles of the current organic law to pursue something that they describe as an illicit act that harms individual property, something that is basic in a liberal democracy. Um, we've got it quite bad here in um, mm. Valencia, haven't we? We have. I've, I've had a number of properties and uh, I bought them originally to let out. I the one, only had the one I let out and that cost me a fortune because somebody paid rent for about three months and then didn't pay anything for a number of years. And by the time I got it back, it was in bits. Um, so the other properties I've got, I, I've, I've, I never let out. I just feared that if I did let them out and somebody leased to me, I'll be really, really upset, and I wouldn't like to think what I'd do to get them out. If someone could, could sit in my property and say they have every right to live here, rent for, I can't even. You can't even turn the water off or the electric off. I can't stop paying the electric bill, for instance, if somebody's occupied my house. Uh, I have to keep paying the electric bill and make sure the water bill's paid. But, the, but this is non. Uh, not, it, how did it get to this situation, Terry? Because it's nonsense. Know, uh, the PC gone mad. I think I didn't realise it in this country, but. I imagine it's obviously it's the loony left. It wouldn't be in any other way. But it's been like that for years. And I was told a couple of weeks ago that, because uh, I've got a property that I'm looking at um, that's, that's abandoned, basically. But I know the owner. He can't get back. Um, and he wants to um, 
wants me to, to, to develop it and, and put it on the market. But the minute it's, it's unoccupied. And the, the worry is that somebody gets in there, if they can prove they've lived there for 12 days, they can then take up residence in it. Our culpas, we, we squatters, we call them in England. Yeah. Squatters in Spain, they call them our culpas. Uh, they have a right to stay there. And I'm, I'm very pleased you read that out. And if that's coming into law, um, then that's going to open the market tremendously because there's a hell of a lot of properties that aren't let out for the same reason that I haven't. I wouldn't do it because it's too much of a risk, way too much of a risk. Uh, I'll just leave them un unoccupied, which is wrong. They should be occupied. But uh, so if that, that law, which that's gone completely the other way now, I mean, totally, you've got 48 hours to prove. But they are, they are, they are, they've damaged your property to get in. Or they've stolen the key. How else have they got in? Climb through an open window? Burglaries, does not that come into effect? It is, it's been awful. The law has been on their side. And I've, as, as a builder and developer, I've had to, to, to get into places that have finally been left by these, these squatters. And the places are just, there's just nothing left in them. Every door and door frame has been ripped out and chopped up to burn on the fire to create heat. They've cut every every socket and switch. They've, cut, they've taken off the wall to sell it for scrap. Having done that, having cut the cables, every cable to every socket and switch and light is now short because they've cut it. You can't, it won't reach, you can't reconnect it. So you have to rewire the whole property because they've cut the, took a socket off there and chopped the cables just to sell it for for. for 20 cents or something, you know? It's, and the damage and uh, the filth that I've seen, piles of excrement just piled up in rooms. Um, it, it's awful, awful that they've been able to do and without the police doing anything about it. And I'd like to think it's since that place in, in north of Spain called Porto Galete, where the, uh, the oh, old oh, lady yes. came back uh, to uh, her home, you remember? In, in came back Bilbao, to home yeah. To find out that squatters or coopers have moved in. And the whole village, the whole town got behind them and, and dragged them out of the house and just booted them up the road. And the police just stood there and just thought, well, we're not getting involved in this one. And I'd like to think that maybe that's had something to do with it, that the, eventually the, the, the dog will turn. And eventually people have turned and gone, no, we're not having any more of this. So I'm very, very pleased to hear that. I hadn't read that, Vince. I'm very, very pleased what you just read out. Yeah. I mean, qu quite honestly, I was... Um I was disgusted when I started reading about these stories because, um, y you know, uh, that that means virtually uh, every time anybody goes out from their house, if they haven't closed every single window, put the alarm on, I mean, really, you could have a problem anywhere, couldn't you? Yeah, yeah, you, 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 you can. I mean, you've got the point now. You go out shopping, you come back, someone's in your house. What are you going to do? Oh, they're, oh, they're a coopers. We can't. We've got to find somewhere else to live now. We've got to keep trying somehow. We've got to keep paying the electric on the house. We can't have them not having electric, and they're using my fridge and all. It's just unbelievable, mate. Uh, it, it's something I could never get my head around in this country because it's quite, it's very much a police state still uh, in many respects. But uh, uh, that was something out of hell, and which government actually was guilty of, of allowing that to. To, to, to happen, these so-called rights of the occult, they have no bloody rights. Go and get a job, earn some money and pay a rent. 
Don't go around stealing somebody's property. It's awful. Well, I, I mean, I've... They sat in my car and took it. That's a theft, isn't it? Of course to it my is. my mind, exactly the same thing. Taking my house. Well, I, I mean, I, I've got uh, certain people that I've known now for the last year, obviously in Denia, and um, they had a whole sort of urbanisation taken over, which was um, apparently it's taken the best part of three years to get them out, and uh, it's just... It's not on. And why should people have to go through all that um, heartache? I've got two stories I want to quickly tell you. Uh, you're so inspiring. Adorable moment. Boy 16 who wore a sequin tuxedo jacket and vibrant red ball ground skirt to his prom is blown away after receiving message of support from Drag Race UK star The Vivian. I mean, seriously, you've got a picture of this weird-looking lad with a, th this dress on, and they're talking about an adorable moment. You see, the papers, the media, again, are trying to confuse these people, and quite honestly, it's so obvious if you want to look at it and look for it. Um, I mean, that's disgusting, isn't it? Well, it's a bloke, <laughs> a bloke or a lad wants to wear a dress. How can that be wrong if a woman can wear a suit and have her hair cut short to look like a bloke? And wear a suit and be called fashionable. Can turn up at a dinner party in the trouser suit and look really, really nice and elegant. But she's wearing male garb. Uh, women can wear absolutely anything, any, any part of male garb, and it's looked upon as fashion. Green. Bloke puts on a skirt, unless he's Scottish, of course. Then he's uh, he's looked upon as some sort of transvestite. Good, great point. But the problem is, at the moment, when we've got all these transgender issues, if that isn't an advert for kids to want to go and do what he's done, nothing is for oh, me. Let him do it if, if he feels if he'll soon he'll soon realise that he might he might get a few ripe comments. He might he might. I don't think he'll be doing it for that to that uh, to too long a time. To be honest with you, mm. he's going to get a few ripe comments from some corners. I suppose they'll get stuck in prison for. Because you can't wolf whistle a girl. I see a pretty girl, you can't wolf whistle them now. Okay, our yeah, last they're, one. They're out there strutting their stuff to, so that people do look at them. So they, <laughs> they don't want any comments. Okay, the last one then. Britain's greatest long-distance runner, Mo Farrow, uh, has um, spent years as a domestic slave for a woman he'd never met before. This was a BBC documentary as well last mm. night, The Real Mo Farrow. And, um, you know, it was basically he was knighted by the Queen in 2017 under a false name, now it turns out. And uh, his real name is Hussein uh, Abdi Kahin. But, I mean, really, how can anybody not like this guy? He's one of the nicest looking, uh, you know, when you yeah. look at his personality, he's a lovely uh, just a very, very good. Oh, yes, but he's this is to my mind, he's obviously come out in inverted commas because I'd imagine the press have got a sniff of it and they said they're going to blow it. So mm -hmm. the best thing he can do is come out and declare it, and I think that's the best thing could have ever happened to him. Yeah, to sort himself out mentally because what a what a load of luggage he's been carrying all his life. Yeah, to be able to do that, I don't personally see a problem with it. Oh no, uh, no, in do theory, I. in theory, there should be a problem with it. But I think the, the the point you've got to look at is nine years old. He was brought over here and given a name, uh, uh, and and he's lived with that name ever since, and created his own story around that name, which is a very honourable story. Uh, the people at fault here, of course, are the people that brought him over and basically trafficked him into slavery. Um, but to to turn his life around, I mean, I think nine years of age to turn his life around in a short years, few short years to to become a a top athlete is is tremendous, uh, and we should all 
Well, we all do respect him. Yeah. And logically, the police have said there'd be no, there'd be no action taken against him. Yeah. But I think because the key matter is he was nine years old. If he if he if he jumped on the back of a dinghy at Bukala at 15 years of age and came across, that's that's a different mentality. That's a different thing altogether. I uh, as far as I'm concerned. Well, okay. Well, we'll have to wait to uh, discuss those sort of things soon. Um, that brings us to the end of our hour, Terry. I can't believe it. All right. Yeah, another one gone. As ever, there's things in the paper that um, maybe aren't crystal clear. You know, I, I do like discussing them because when I read them, I think, oh, you know, that does not make the sense that I should be reading in a newspaper. However, um, it's easy to forget that um, all the journalists and then the editors and sub-editors, they've all got their own agendas, haven't they? Of course, yes. Don't forget what you're reading is to sell newspapers. Yeah. They have to jazz it up and uh, and make it, well, unfortunately, the... They, they they create their own news nowadays, the journalists. And they, yeah. All they do is just trail the the, 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 the the social media sites looking for stuff. I don't think they move off their desks. The, the days of the journalist. I think you know, you're scoop, right. Scoop on a, on a piece on a piece of paper tucked into his headband of his hat uh, no longer exist. Yeah. They're not journalists anymore. They all right, Terry. I'm trolling the internet. We're going to have to leave it there. Thank you very much Lovely. indeed. See you next See week. See you next week, senor. Thank you, Terry. Hello.